are some of the Auburn Tigers we're not talking about enough? We tell you on today's Locked On Auburn. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken parm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Who are some of the Auburn Tigers that we're not talking about enough? And who better to break this all down with me than Mike G of the War Report, Mike G. We both made a list of five players that we're not spending enough time talking about. You want to list? You, know, you want to list one of your guys first? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, All right. My first guy is a little inside intel from another player. Ooh, juicy. That guy is Tyler Fromm. Ooh, okay, I like that. Now we did an interview with John Samuel Shanker. Sure. And we asked him who the fastest guy in the tight end room was. And he said it's Tyler Fromm. Ooh, I would not have guessed that. Ah, uh, said he's fast, he's rangy, uh, he can go up and get the ball. It really feels like fans are sleeping on Tyler this year. I feel like there's going to be a really good rotation of tight ends mm-hmm. in and out of the game. We might see some two tight end sets. So Tyler Fromm, I think, is not being talked about enough this offseason. Yeah, and you know, just to be technical here, nitpick. It may not even be a rotation that we see. We just may see more tight ends in the game but more often. More tight Fair ends. Fair enough. More two or three tight end sets, the better. You know, there's a lot of questions at other, you know, receiving positions. Um, that's a way to, to fix that is put more tight ends on the field. So, yeah, yeah I, I love I, that. I think if last year is any indication, then you're probably right. We're going to see a lot more tight ends on the field. Yeah, yeah. And with the emergence of John Samuel Shanker, you know, we have – he's getting a lot of the attention. So I, I think that is an outstanding one. I think that's an outstanding one. My first one, I'm going to go defensive back here, Jalen Simpson. You know, I, it seems Ooh. like there's almost more attention on Nehemiah Pritchett. And I don't, I'm not saying that Nehemiah Pritchett doesn't deserve it, but Jalen Simpson is a really, really good cornerback. And he's just not really getting the love. Um, it seems like it's been Pritchett and then EJ James because, or DJ James just because he's come in and he's kind of the new shiny object in the room and they're all three going to be really really good corners but Jalen Simpson is probably the most athletic of all three of them meaning he can do a little bit different things maybe a little bit more versatile um, which is saying something because Nehemiah Pritchett's pretty versatile as well but I think Jalen Simpson is primed and set up to have a really really good season yeah I think he's being slept on and I Mm -hmm. think it's primarily because of um, a lot of the experience that we have coming in or returning on defense this year so a lot of people are talking about Pritchett um, in our interviews with players Pritchett has been almost unanimously voted as the fastest guy on the team okay so he's garnering a lot of praise in practice and in drills uh, for his speed and his ability to be able to close uh, Jalen Simpson, though, is an outstanding player. I, I do think he's being slept on. He, he quietly had a, a very good year, an above-average year last year. And I think that returning experience is really going to give him an edge in 2022. I'm there with you. I'm there with you. And, of course, you know, it's more than just speed, right, when you talk about defensive back. And with Jalen Simpson, he'll beat the crap out of you in, in coverage. I, I think he's going to be a lot more physical than these other corners that, that we've mentioned so far. Um. So, yeah, no, that's a very good situation to have. Who's second on your list of guys we're not talking about enough? A second for me is a 
There's a guy named Dylan Brooks. Oh. Now, Dylan, we won Dylan in the Happy Meal sweepstakes from Tennessee. So, <laughs> to recap for the listeners, Tennessee was handing out McDonald's bags full of money. Dylan Brooks decommitted after uh, the coach got fired and ended up at Auburn. I believe we were always his second choice, so it was an easy decision to switch to the Tigers after that change was made. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> sadly enough for Tennessee, uh, the thing they got busted before technically became legal the very next year. Uh, Bummer. So, so uh, yay us uh, for getting Dylan Brooks. But this, I like him, and I think he's being slept on because – we've got a lot of Juco talent that that's come over on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. But this was a kid in the 2021 cycle, the ESPN rated the number 18 overall recruit in the country. Right. And he just spent a whole year in a college strength and conditioning program. I think he has a chance to do some really good things this year. Now that he's got his body up to speed. Yeah. He didn't make my list just because I didn't really think about him being a guy. We're not talking about a ton. Um, I can't help myself but to bring up Eculiota and Derek Hall as much as mm-hmm. I can, and then he just naturally pops up behind them. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, if you're not hearing his name as much as you um, probably should, then, yeah, I, I'm all for that. Well, uh, you know, uh, Eku and Derek, you know, linebackers, and uh, they've got Dylan listed at end. They're, so, they're, they're the same position. They're all yeah, the same. Yeah, I mean, they got to listen the defensive end just in case it matters. I mean, I, I think of him as a linebacker, but... You can listen to a um, wide receiver. He's still playing. He's still rushing the passer. So, <laughs> get uh, after him. Yeah. Um, all right, I, I'll, I'll stick with the guys playing close to the line of scrimmage here. Uh, Zacchaeus Walker um, gained a lot of weight since he's been on campus, but moves really, really, really well. And I think when you talk about versatility, which is what this defensive line unit is all about, there's a lot of different places that he can slide in and play. I think he can play inside. I think he can play at, you know, that that three technique. And I think in certain situations, you can even put him at a defensive end situation if you want to go heavy for whatever reason. I think there's a lot of different ways Jimmy Brumbaugh can use Zacchaeus Walker. And not going to be a guy that stuffs the stat sheet. Not going to be a guy that gets two or three sacks, you know, in a game or anything like that. But a guy that makes your defense better when he's on the field. Zacchaeus Walker, I'm giving you some attention and some love today. Yeah, I like this pick. I like this pick because he's being overshadowed um, by a lot of uh, newcomers on the defensive side of the ball, especially at line. Listen, we're going to rotate a lot of guys on D-line. Uh, we've confirmed this uh, with Coach Harson. We've confirmed this through interviews with players. The plan is to get a lot of guys in on D-line. So mm-hmm. uh, not starting the game doesn't mean that you're not going to play significant time. I feel like Zacavius Walker has a chance to be a real contributor as well, too. So he's definitely being slept on. All right. Who are the other three players that we have each listed on our list of players that we're not talking about enough? We'll tell you in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You know our friends at Built are always coming out with new amazing flavors. Well, this time they've truly outdone themselves with their new Mud Pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new Mud Pie flavor and the Mud Pie bar and the Mud Pie puff all at once. So if you like the texture of the puffs more, you can get mud pie flavors there. If you like the flavors of the built bars more, you can do that flavor as well. All covered 100% in real chocolate. And you hear this and it's like, man, how can this be good for you? I don't know, but it is. It is. 
All very low in calories, just 150 calories per bar, only eight grams of sugar, and a ton of protein, 16 grams of protein. You can check it out at built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That is LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at built.com. Mike G, my number three person on this list of guys we're not talking about enough. And this almost comes from more of a listener, the listeners asking for this, is uh, Wesley Steiner. Mm. Um, a guy that I think is going to be a role player uh, at linebacker this season. I think with Owen Papo coming back and Cam Riley appears to be the favorite to be that number two linebacker. I think Wesley Steiner and Eugene Asante are going to be battling for reps after that. Um, but a ton of athleticism um, can cover a lot of ground. It'll be fun to see how he fits into this defensive system in 2022. Uh, Wesley Steiner is a really versatile guy. Yeah. Um, and again, similar to D-line, I expect us to rotate bodies on defense to remain fresh. This could be very important depending on what happens on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we may need to be very deep on defense depending on uh, how time of possession plays out. Now, um, Auburn was okay at run stopping at times, but you know we had a porous pass defense. Uh, one of the things that I think Steiner can do is drop back in coverage maybe a little better than the others. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they end up using him as well too. Yeah, I mean, he's got the skill set for it um, because – Owen Papo is one of the more athletic defenders Auburn's ever gotten. And then he was like ranked high in all the spark scores. And then the next year, Wesley Steiner went in and broke all of Owen's records as far as the spark score stuff goes. So he's got the ability. Um, can he put it all together? You know, does he have it between the years as far as, okay, this is where I need to be when this happens on offense. And so we'll, um, we'll see. He's definitely got the ability to cover some ground though. You got to love that. For sure. Who you got? Uh, my next is Jay Fair. So, uh, yeah, um, I, for some reason, did not put him on mine. That is a fantastic yeah. one. Uh, Jay Fair, I think, is totally being slept on. Now, um, all the doomsday naysayers who think we don't have any talent and this is the worst team ever in the history of Auburn football um, are sleeping on kids like Jay Fair. Uh, number one, one of the hardest working guys on his team, both on and off the field. Mm. Um, his teammates have praised his worth ethic. Uh, we talked, we've done interviews with. Um, with uh, uh, the quarterbacks, they've all mentioned Jay Fair as a standout in terms of performance in practice. Love that. And, again, attitude and work ethic. Uh, I've seen the social media videos of Jay catching passes. Uh, he was described by one quarterback as a guy who never says no. Let's go throw. I'm game. Let's go. Uh, I think Auburn football is going to need a lot of that. And then the off the field. This is a 4.0 student. Zach, this is a 4.0 student. This is a guy who gets it, that handles his business. And I think that high IQ guys like Jay Fair have a chance to contribute early uh, because those are the guys absorbing the playbook, understanding concepts, and putting themselves in the positions that the coaches want them to be in to succeed. I like Jay Fair. I think people are completely sleeping on him. Yeah, no, he is a, he is a Brian Harson guy through and through. I love Prototypical. It. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right, my next guy, let's go with Marquise Gilbert. Number one, mm. Juco safety. Um, you know, he, he didn't really he didn't really earn a ton of first-team reps as far as what was visible to the media during spring. And then when Zach Gethrich talked about it, he's like, you know, everybody kind of grows at their own pace. 
And the way um, the way I interpreted that, and I think other people did as well, is his time's coming. His time's yeah. coming. He's going to figure it out. And hopefully he's using this time over the summer to figure that out, and then he can, you know, win a, potentially win a starting safety job during fall camp. I think it's going to be him and Zion Puckett back there. I think they both offer. I think Zion Puckett will be a little bit better in coverage, and, um, and Marquise Gilbert will be able to pop you a little bit more. I think that's going to kind of be what that tandem looks like with, with Bridges kind of rotating in and out as well and possibly even Wooten. So um, a, a lot to like out of that. And uh, like I said, I mean, he was the number one Juco guy. A lot of big schools wanted him, but he chose Auburn. So, um, yeah, he, he made my list. Uh, the competition in the defensive backfield for starting spots is going to be fierce this year. It's a lot. It's yeah. going to be fierce in fall camp. Uh, as you mentioned, the number one ju- overall Juco safety uh, comes in. This is a guy that's handpicked. He's got real on-field experience. And I think because of that uh, uh, that competition that we're talking about, he has kind of been lost in the mix. Now, I'm a little, I'm a little gun-shy after what happened with Drayshon Miller. I get it. They brought in Drayshon. He declared, I'm here for one year, and I'm out. And he barely saw the field and then transferred. Um, and this was a guy who was one of the top, if not the top, corners in um, his conference before transferring into Auburn. Uh, so I think Marquise Gilbert is a good choice. Um, there are a lot of guys who have a chance to contribute. He's definitely going to be one of them in the secondary. Right. All right, who's your fourth guy? Ah, uh, okay. I'm struggling with this one between the fourth and the fifth. I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna save the drama for for the end. Ooh. My fourth guy is Jeffrey Emba. Okay. Now yeah. between me and you, we're we're naming a lot of defensive guys, and I hate to reiterate talking points, but Jeffrey Emba, number one overall JUCO player, yeah, comes in and he's injured this spring, and I think that he fell down a lot of the out of everybody's minds. Now there was a lot of fanfare over his commitment. But then after that, because we didn't get to see him in action this spring and he was limited uh, because of his injury, they want to make sure that he gets right for the season. I feel like he's kind of forgotten. This guy is a complete mountain. They nicknamed him Thanos. Right. I expect to see some, you know, I expect to see him snapping defenses out of existence this fall, man. Uh, And just half of them just disappear. Right. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Put on the gauntlet, man. I think Jeffrey Mba is completely being slept on. And... You know, for a lot of the uh, teams that were playing, uh, not just by fans, man, but but by the teams that were playing, a lot of teams aren't going to know what this Auburn team is. And I think that plays in their favor. So a guy like Emba, who you've got Juco tape on him, can come in and just be a complete disaster for opposing offenses in the fall. And uh, I like him. I think he's completely being slept on. I think that he emerges in the first four games as a star for this defense. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be huge. Um, And we've had folks ask, you know, like, why don't you talk about Thanos at all? And it's like, I mean, he He just got hurt. He hasn't done anything yet. I mean, there's nothing to talk about. Um, Doesn't mean he's not going to do anything. I think he's going to be great, uh, just like you said. So uh, my last guy is Sean Jackson, the running back. Um, I think we're all assuming Damari Austin is the number three guy. Mm. I think Sean Jackson's going to do everything he, in his power to get on the field. This, um, I, I don't think it was just, hey, we're giving you a scholarship because you make our practice squad better. I think Brian Harson likes this guy, and I think they're going to find a way to use him. I'm not talking about, you know, 500 yards on the season or anything like that, but I do think he has a role 
I think he has a role in this offense. Yeah, uh, I like Sean Jackson. Now, this was a guy who earned a scholarship. This, this, yeah, this yeah, that's that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, much fanfare, you know, to much fanfare. His teammates were proud of him. He's worked his butt off, and that seems to be um, kind of a trademark of the Brian Harson era. Mm. Guys who work get rewarded. Sure. And uh, we have a lot more of those guys this spring, which is why, again, I, I can't really sign on to the idea that we'll have any talent. I think we got a lot more hardworking guys than we had before on this team. So Sean Jackson is one of those guys. Um, uh, to your point, a lot of folks are talking about Demari Austin, but one of the, th- the the biggest thing that keeps freshmen running backs off the field, especially early, is the inability to be able to pick up blitzes in pass protection. Totally, right. You cannot get your quarter- quarterback killed by putting a freshman in there who doesn't understand blocking assignments. Sean Jackson is going to have that up on Demari Austin. I think again, I think he's being slept on, and it's very likely uh, what we have to understand, Zach, is is that. Just because you, you're not the starter, um, no matter what position it is, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be called on to contribute in a significant way. Injuries in our league kind of, I don't they don't really reign supreme, but they happen and they're common. And you just never know when it's going to be your turn. So these guys like Sean Jackson have to stay engaged because you never know when you're going to be called on to be the guy. Now, Jarquez Hunter got, you know, you know, and Tank, Tank has had a history of injuries and I felt like he stayed relatively healthy last year, but his first, you know, a couple of years, it was rough with Tank. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really, 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 really like Sean Jackson. Um, and I would look for him, you know, with the loss of Shivers to see if, if he can catch balls, you know, in the flat. Uh, they may look for him to to use him in that way to fill that hole that uh, that um, Sean Shivers. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, who who's, yeah. who is your last guy? My last guy is going to be. It's, this is going to be weird. It's going to sound weird because his name is definitely being mentioned, but I think he's being slept on, and okay. that's Robbie Ashford. My last guy is Robbie Ashford. All right, now, explain yourself. Why did I put Robbie Ashford on this list? Well. Uh, in a lot of fans' mind, I think it's a foregone conclusion that the starter is going to be Zach Calzada or TJ Finley. TJ Finley, primarily because of the experience that he has in this offense. Yeah. He's in his second year with his staff. Zach Calzada because of the experience that he has in this league. Sure, right. Right. The reason I think we're sleeping on Robbie Ashford is, is that because if it, no matter which one of those guys wins the starting job, I think Robbie Ashford has a role in this offense this season. And uh, we've got we've gotten indications from that in our interviews with Harson. Uh, he didn't give away too much, but sometimes the old Freudian slip, right? <laughs> you ask him a question, and then he kind of gives away a little bit of what their strategy is going to be because uh, we asked him about the quarterback race, and he said, hey, listen, guys, you can play more than one quarterback. I'm like, mm, okay, is that a – the foreshadowing of what you guys plan to do. Now it's clear what Rob, Robbie Ashford brings to the offense. Mm-hmm. He brings a dynamic arm, but also the wheels, man, he can run. And TJ right. Finley doesn't have that. And Zach Calzada is not exactly a statue, but he's not Robbie Ashford athletic. Sure. So putting him in the game could represent a serious change up for this offense that you just never know. I mean, guys like Robbie, you, you, he goes in the game and you think they're putting in the running guy. And then Harson is going to mark my words. Harson is going to let him turn it loose. And then once you have to start playing him on this, they can do anything. Mm-hmm. 
That's why guys like Cam and Nick Marshall were so good. Because when you are a serious threat to run the ball, you have to play 11 on 11. Yeah, and, no, I mean, I, I think we all know why a dual threat quarterback's good. I just don't think he's going to play. Nah, don't. See, I, I, I think you see Robbie Ashford game one. If it's a blowout, like I expect it to be, I think you see Robbie Ashford game one. Oh, well, yeah, my, you're going to see everybody game one if it's a blowout. Yeah, he's going to have a role. I'm telling you, they're going to use him situationally this year. Uh, you know it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of how we thought they were going to use Gatewood, Bo Nix's freshman year. I thought we thought we would see more of Gatewood in situations. All right, how many uh, snaps does Robbie Ashford get as long as it's like a 14-point game? How many, how many snaps do they get a game? I think he gets six to eight snaps a game. If it's working, I think Robbie Ashford gets six to eight snaps a game. And here's why last year we got caught in a situation where the starter got hurt. And in my opinion, they did not do a good job preparing number two to get on the field. I think that they've learned from that mistake. And I think you'll see the number two play more when possible this year, rather than riding with the one QB for as long as we did last year. And then risking injury to the starter and having to turn to somebody who's completely cold that you have not gotten any on-field experience. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that qualifies as a hot take, but um, I think it does. I think it does. I'm not not pulling out of the air, man. Like the coaches and the players have uh, essentially hinted at that they're putting in a two QB system that is not going to be, it's not going to be even snaps, but Robbie so Ashford. you think he gets more snaps than whoever Auburn's third running back is? We one hundred percent. I do. Right. I think. I think. I think he's that dangerous. And when they talk about his speed in practice, like man, when we talked to Robbie, Robbie kind of joked off camera that he's holding back. He was like, "I don't want him to move me a receiver, so I'm not going to show him all my speed." <laughs> and it was a joke, but he is. I mean, the the way they've noted the things that he can do on the football field that nobody else on this team can do. uh, The coaches have recognized it. I think they want to utilize that. I think they're going to pull out all the stops this year. And we don't know what's going to happen at the one QB. Let's not pretend like we know what's going to happen at one QB. Two QB has to be ready. I don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense to go Zach, TJ, or TJ Zach. I think that you... Your no, number two but, should but, be the guy. But that's that not what we're talking about, though. We're, more. You're, you're talking about packages designed for him. That's what you're talking about. Correct. Yeah, okay. for sure. All right. They're going right. to utilize him. They're going to utilize him. He's going to he's going to both run and pass this year in this offense. Um, I think it would be silly not to utilize his skill set uh, because it's going to be it's going to be one of those things, man. Uh, it's twofold. The packages are twofold. Get him ready for for live gameplay because he has none. Not at the college level. Oh, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. All right. In so. just a moment, we're going to hear from Lindsey Crosby. He is back from Jamaica to talk about um, Auburn advancing to the College Jamaica. World Series. Mike G, how can people uh, find you, hear you, and all that before we jump into that? Just go on over to YouTube, uh, search the war report, hit subscribe. We've, we're doing a summer interview series, so we're doing interviews with coaches and players. Uh, we've got a film review with Coach Harson breaking down quarterbacks. Lots of interesting stuff going on over at the war report. And joining us now to talk a little college baseball World Series, Lindsey Crosby, back in the States. I haven't really talked to you. So while you were gone, 
Auburn won the Super Regional, and uh, yeah, we're headed to Omaha. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I watched games one and two um, from my my hotel room at the resort. Uh, I, I paid for the Southwest Wi-Fi to watch game three on my way back in. <laughs> okay. uh, finished up, I had about eight people huddled around me at the baggage claim in Atlanta as, Burke, as Blake Burkhalter got that last out and we, they dogpiled. Right. Um, so got to check it out. Exciting weekend. Could not be happier for this team, for these players and this program and just what this means for Auburn baseball. It's huge. It's huge. Um, so you look at Auburn's path. They start things off with Ole Miss, and then if they win, they will face the winner of Arkansas-Stanford. If they lose, they will face the loser in an uh, elimination game. But, I mean, the the approach is much like it was for the Auburn Regional, right? If you win the first two games, uh, there's a very real chance you will be among the final two teams standing in Omaha and all of college baseball. So just the importance of beating Ole Miss Saturday at six o'clock central time. How does Auburn do that? So look back to the series where Auburn lost to Ole Miss in Auburn and uh, look like a completely different team, right? So defensively, lots of issues, yeah. especially from the catching position. Um, we've now switched from Jake Wyatt to Nate LaRue. So I think some of that's going to resolve you have some poor pitching performances. I think we've seen, especially from the bullpen, a lot more sound, a lot more reliable. You can count on them. Uh, and then we've seen just the course of the regionals. Well, and just uh, just while you're talking about pitching, Joseph Gonzalez was not. He was still dealing with that like finger issue, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't believe he was available that weekend. And so you were also doing it without one of your dudes. And so he's you've pretty seen, good. The offense, yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, he's um, you know, all American candidate. It's cool. Mm, yeah. Um, sure. you seen the offense pick up in regionals. I mean, Auburn just obliterated, scored fifty something runs in regionals, so you know they can do it. Um, in supers, you saw the defense show up, you saw the bullpen show up, so you know they can do it. So it's a can you put all three of those parts together against an old miss team that is playing better than they were when you saw them last, um, simply because they've gelled behind the bat of Tim Elko and Peyton Chatagnier and uh, some of their pitchers. Right. Yeah. So what do you think Auburn's strategy will be in regards to pitching? Will they put Gonzo in right away? Um, he did not pitch game one in the Supers. Will that be something that is different here? I guess he didn't pitch game one in the regional either. So no. is that something where it's like, all right, I mean, if you beat Ole Miss, you were in just such a better situation than, than obviously if you lose it. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you think they approach it? Yeah, so by the time you're listening to this, I'll be getting ready to go do media availability. I guarantee you that's one of the first questions we're going to um, hear Butch Thompson have to answer is what's the plan for the, for the pitchers? Um, up until this last weekend, I'd have thought you can go back to your Trace Bright in game one, Joseph Gonzalez in game two strategy, but you saw Trace not make it out of the first inning. You saw uh, Mason Barnett look so great in regionals. And so... Really interested to see how they stack that. Worst case scenario, one of those three guys doesn't pitch. But, you know, and, and then right now, based off recent performances, you'd have to think that person's probably going to be Trace Bright. But they trust him the most as far as as the non-Joseph Gonzalez, like the guy that has been here, he's done it, uh, he's got the most experience starting, and we can trust him to figure it out. He's the only guy who started every single weekend for Auburn this year. Well, and during the first half of the season, he was 
the best guy, it seemed mm-hmm. like. Um, even when Auburn would lose the games, it was his outing that it was because the bullpen like blew the lead that you know the the team acquired while he was in there, or um, the offense wouldn't show up enough to to, to yeah. score enough. I mean, his totally. he wasn't getting the run support, or he wasn't getting the the baton passed through the bullpen for him. Uh, so his record doesn't reflect his true skill level this year. Yeah, but man, so, that, that first inning was crazy. Like, I mean, it was awful. <laughs> Is is that something that is a cause for concern this weekend when Trace Bright goes out there? Or in your mind, is it just, yeah, Oregon State had his number? So we've seen it twice now, right? We saw it against Alabama, and then now we've seen it against Oregon State. And Oregon State is a very tough team offensively because they excel at getting on base. You heard Butch talk and talk about this, about uh, how good they are at pitch recognition, how good they are at finding ways to get on base, drawing walks things like that. And so if you make a mistake, it's going to tr- come around and bite you. And that's what happened to Trace Bright, letting, yeah. you know, letting free runners on, uh, you know, guys not executing plays. I think where, from where I sit right now, I think you're still going to see probably Bright and Gonzalez one, two with Barnett as your three. Uh, I do think some of that also does, does depend on the handedness of the lineups you face. I do know that, Obviously, Gonzo is going to be, if not game one, he's going to be game two. Butch is really big about keeping guys on their routine, keeping guys on their schedule. Um, so I would be surprised if he moved Gonzalez to game one simply because that's just out of character for the way Butch likes to set it up. Um, but either way, going to be a really interesting matchup uh, on Saturday at 6 p.m. against Ole Miss. I like the matchup. I, I, I think we're in a good situation, actually. I love the fact that we lost the series to them because yeah. this team has shown that they remember things like that. They remember. Unless it's Kentucky. Totally. Unless it's Kentucky. <laughs> I'm glad we're they, not playing them, man. <laughs> no, they remember what the coaches poll said about them. They remember what the, the websites and the power rankings, like they remember all of that. Right. And so they're going to remember that not only did they lose to Old Miss, but they didn't look that good in it either. I mean, it, it some of the one of those games wasn't that close. And so I love the matchup because Auburn's the team with the chip on their shoulder. Auburn's the team that everybody's like, oh yeah, they shouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm. And so, but they are. And this is get used to this because this is now to to paraphrase Butch, like this is the minimum standard. Getting to Omaha is no longer the goal. The goal is now a national championship. Getting to Omaha should be the standard and what we expect almost every season out of this team. I'm curious to see what happens with Arkansas and Stanford because I think if Auburn can beat Ole Miss and Arkansas beats Stanford, I think Auburn goes to the national championship. I I think in a similar situation, Arkansas, they're a home run heavy team. Omaha's a massive park. Mm Mm-hmm. And once again, a similar situation. For some reason, I feel like it benefits us the fact that we only won, you know, that we lost the series on the road to Arkansas. But but we were in it. It was on the road in Fayetteville. Once again, you know, I I just think this team is ready to kind of take advantage of of everything that's in front of them. And it's just like if they're there, uh, the team I want to play the least is Stanford. uh, That's on our side of the bracket. And so yeah. if if Auburn could beat Ole Miss and Arkansas beat Stanford, 
I think Auburn can beat Arkansas, then all of a sudden, like, you've got a really, really, really good shot to be one of the last two teams. Yeah, it Th- would think be... Think about that. Think, think about what I just said, Lindsay. And, like, that's yeah. not crazy to think about. It's not. You can you can absolutely see the path forward. Yeah. And that is, that is what kind of scares me a bit. <laughs> because... It's we, horrifying. Yeah, it's... Well, it's that situation now where... This isn't the goal anymore. Being in Omaha isn't the goal. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, you're not going to be satisfied just having gone to, if you go to Omaha and go 0 and 2, that's not satisfying. Right. Because the goal is no longer Omaha. The goal is. We did that. We did that in 2019. It was fun. It was really, really cool. They gave out rings for it. Yeah. And then going 0 and 2, it was like, oh, okay. All right. So, uh, yeah. No, and, and Butch talked about it. You nailed that. So, uh, as far as, um, do you agree with me on all that with Arkansas and Stanford? Yes, I like the setup. Uh, I like the fact that you've seen Arkansas before. Yeah. Uh, you've seen what they can do offensively. You've seen what they do pitching. You're right, and they they favor the home run. That's something that's a big part of their game, and obviously Omaha is a massive, massive park. Um, I do like the fact that th- two of your three matchups are teams that you've played before. I think that's big. And that's something that this team has shown that is meaningful to them is they understand how to go out and make adjustments and beat a team after they've played them once or twice. Uh, Stanford's the true wild card because you don't you haven't seen them all year. Yeah. They, they seem very good. But as of late, Auburn's been like the Pac-12 killer. So we'll see if that trend continues. I hope Send they don't play best. Stanford, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Send us your best Pac-12. Lindsay, um, you've covered this team better than anybody. How can people continue to, to read all of your coverage on this squad? AuburnDaily.com uh, is all of the writing. I pretty much plan on having something coming out every day from now all the way through all, the end of Auburn's run in the College World Series. Cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, and then my show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is uh, on Twitter at Locked on Farm, wherever you get your podcasts, and the merch, AUShirts.com. I heard the ESPN folks say Thick King over the weekend. AL.com did a story about our shirt. Did you see that? I don't want to text you because you're on vacation. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, wearing Burke Halter's closing time shirt. If you want this, um, it it supports Blake as well. Just go to AUShirts.com and check that all out. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked On Offer.